Uh, open your Bibles to uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. And if you like titles, uh, this is simply called Bible People. Bible People. Um, I got saved reading a fake Bible. Now, let me explain. Uh, Jane and I were lying in uh, our bed one night. I was just minding my own business. She was reading this book by a Christian author, Catherine Marshall. And uh, it had a place in that book that explained you could pray a prayer to be saved. And she did, and she was. And uh, she witnessed to me that very night. And uh, she used the term which I had never heard in my entire life. I, w- I was raised a, a Catholic, born again. And uh, I was just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what I would now know as the way the Lord works to, to draw people to himself, I began to, to get worried about going to hell. So uh, I thought, all right, I'm, I'm going to read the Bible. But I didn't actually own one. Uh, all that we had in the house was, uh, some of you remember, Good News for Modern Man. It was a paraphrase. It had all these little stick figure drawings in there of Jesus doing things. And uh, literally, I had never, I was 28 years old, I had never opened up a Bible and read a single word out of it in my entire life. So uh, I got out the good news for modern man, and uh, I, uh, I didn't you know, know what to do, so I just started Matthew, yeah, 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 Mark, yeah, 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 Luke, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to John chapter 3, and what I would now know is the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. I read those words, you must be born again, and I was. Uh, prayed probably the most pitiful sinner's prayer ever. Uh, God, I don't want to go to hell. Would you please save me? So it had nothing to do with loving Jesus. It was just like my own self-interest. But isn't God kind and merciful? Yeah. Uh, when he calls us in that way. But uh, I tell you that story because my soul still today thrills about this book. Not, not just its contents, but what it is, what it, re- what it represents, and the fact that I actually possess it. I'm 72 years old, and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of what's in here. And I have so much. I think my frustration and my, I have so much I still want to learn. So much I still want to study. Uh, and I hope God gives me uh, the time to, to do that. But in my 38 plus years as a pastor, I've learned that it's unwise to assume that everybody's in the same place. I think it can be very easy for the Bible to be taken for granted, be seen as kind of commonplace and mundane, and as a result, be too neglected. Uh, The statistics are kind of sad. Uh, Bible reading stats say that only 45% of regular churchgoers read it more than once a week. And that 27% of regular churchgoers never read it at all. And 
Sadly, the stats get worse as they skew younger. Uh, the stats are worse are among younger people. So why, why this message? What's, what's the heart of this message? It's simply this, that I, I would propose that nothing, nothing is more important to your spiritual health and well-being, to the spiritual health and well-being of your family, and to a very great extent of this church than your Bible reading and study and application. That nothing is more important than that you be Bible people. And to that end, let's read 2 Timothy 3, a familiar passage, and uh, I'll pray and then we'll just dive in and unpack it. 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17, God's very words. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, Holy Spirit, once again, we, we come before your people with your word, and, and we know that it is, is you that illumines, that uh, it is you that inspired, it is you that, that can bring this word alive to us. And so... Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just please come this morning and uh, please meet us and, and help us to just freshly understand what we have in our Bibles. Help us to be freshly motivated to read and study and, 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 and to apply. Father, I pray that there would be no discouragement here this morning, uh, only hope and joy in what we have and the, uh, and the prospects of being able to access it. So grant us that grace. And Father, I, I pray for myself. Holy Spirit, I need you. I never step into a pulpit without knowing that my greatest need is your grace, your anointing. I pray you'd give that to me in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to do two very simple things, really, a, a Bible explanation. I just want to unpack what we just read, and then some simple application. So first of all, a Bible explanation. And what we want to do that is just look at some theological words that uh, explain the passage. And the first one is, is inspired in 3.16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Peter actually elaborates on this, um, that it is through the Holy Spirit that uh, men were able to write Scripture. He says in 2 Peter 1.21, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, God breathed out his word through his spirit 
to men who wrote Scripture. Now, it is so easy, isn't it, to, to overlook and assume uh, a statement like this. But think about this. What we have here in your Bible, your phone, are the very words of God to man. Let me say that again. What we have here are the very words of God to man. And not just some of the words, not just the big ideas, but all of the words. Every and, every uh, every the, every of are God's very words to us. All scripture is God-breathed. Now, let's, let's, let's not move too fast. Let's just think about that for a moment. Let's just let that sink in. What we have in our Bibles are the very words of God to man. Um, let me ask, does that statement evoke awe and wonder in you? Joy, gratitude, humility, the, the fact that our, our creator, the, this holy God, has freely chosen, chosen to reveal himself to us, rebellious, sinful creatures, in a way that we can both access and understand. That um, you know, sometimes, if you have, most of us played that parlor game where, or icebreaker game. If you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would they be? And, uh, you know, most Christians say, well, yeah, Jesus and Paul and Moses are some combination of them. Or, you know, maybe you got a movie star or a sports figure or whatever the case may be. But, but here's the reality. Having your Bibles is like being able to sit down with God and have a conversation with him and access him and, and hear him and, and understand him. Uh, Jonathan Lehman in his book, Word Center Church, said this, God's word is an extension of himself, his identity, purposes, affections, and power. In fact, he goes on to say, God so identifies with his word, he says, to hear his words that compromise the whole Bible is to hear him. To obey his words is to obey him. To ignore his words is to ignore him. He so identifies himself with his words that our response to his words is our response to him. So it's inspired, it's breathed out for God, it's God's very words. Uh, the second word is inerrant. And inerrant simply means that it, it contains no errors, that it is wholly true in every detail, even down to the very words that are, that are used. And the result is we can rely on it 100% because there are no errors. And actually, this makes complete sense, doesn't it? That if an all-powerful God was to reveal himself uh, through words, that he would make sure that he did it clearly and that he did it accurately and he did it effectually. Um, anybody ever been on their cell phone and had trouble with reception, you know, where, where you're just, what, what, you, you, you say I'm a winner? 
know a sinner. Well, God doesn't want mixed up reception. He doesn't, he doesn't want us confused. And so he, he made sure that, that he speaks to us in a way that's clear and effectual. Now listen, there's some things that are hard to understand, aren't they? Uh, the Trinity, uh, the incarnation, uh, God's sovereignty and human responsibility. There are things that God doesn't explain. Why evil? In, in, in the world. But there are no contradictions and there are no errors in God's word. And not only as originally given to us, but we can be sure that God's word has been guarded as it's been handed down to us down through the centuries. Uh, I think one of the most stunning, startling statements Jesus ever made was in Matthew 24, 35. Now, Think of who Jesus was and when he lived. He lived in a complete backwater with no recording devices or anything of that type. And, and then listen to what he says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will, pa- will never pass away. What, a, what an incredibly bold statement, but it's, it's a statement of the fact that God has guarded his word to us down through the centuries. Um, Thirdly, it's infallible. Now, people often think inerrant and infallible are kind of the same. They're, they're, They're different. Infallible means that God's word accomplishes its purpose without fail. That when God sends forth his word, the, the purpose that he sends his word forth, it, it will not fail. And this is the good news of that, that if you base your life on God's word, if you trust in God's word, you will never find that you have believed in vain. You will never find that you have followed uh, in, in vain. The word of God will not fail you in your life as you follow and apply. God's word is authoritative. Uh, One theologian said, it possesses the right supremely to define what we are to believe and how we are to conduct ourselves. It it has authority. Your life is to be governed by the book. Um, It makes demands of you. You have obligations to it. It's, It's not just a book that's interesting and inspiring. It's not this self-help book that you can kind of glean some helpful tips uh, for daily life. That that is not its purpose at all. Uh, Christopher Ashe, in his book, Why We Listen, said this, no part of the Bible is there simply to inform us or for our interest only. Always it calls on us to turn to God, perhaps in a changed belief, a refreshed delight, a new behavior, or an altered value system. By the way, don't miss that second phrase, a refreshed delight. Uh, I think we can sometimes think of God's word as just, well, it tells us what to do, it tells us what to value, it tells us what to believe. No, it, it, there is so much here that delights us. God has given us his word to be a delight to our, our souls, uh, a delight to uh, our lives. But it, it has authority. We are... We are responsible to it. And then 
Uh, Fifthly, it's all-sufficient. Paul writes in verse 15, it is able to make us wise for salvation. Now, salvation in Scripture, when it says salvation, it's not simply referring to that moment in time when you went from being dead in your trespasses and sins to alive in Christ, your moment of conversion. Um, To be wise for salvation is to be wise for your entire Christian life, for all of the the Christian life. Um, It's from that moment to the ongoing process of maturing and and growing uh, in Christ. God's word is intended to make you wise for that, to help you to wisely live in the good of that. Scripture is, is sufficient because it contains everything we need for our salvation from beginning to end, everything we need for our faith, everything we need for our practice. It's not a science textbook. It's not a history textbook. It's not a math textbook. It wasn't intended to be any of those things. It was intended to be a book that would enable us to be wise for salvation. Um, And so as a result, there is no other source, not, not tradition, not the social sciences, not psychology, uh, not even prophecy that is required in conjunction with Scripture. We, we just, we can't allow ourselves to buy into the argument that Scripture can't speak to modern day problems. That there are problems so modern, so new, so unthought of, that Scripture has nothing to say about them. Uh, We can't allow ourselves uh, to believe that. It is sufficient for every age and every issue because it is timeless, because God gave it to us to address the problems of every day. It is all sufficient, and hence it is, Paul says, profitable. Uh, Some authors' uh, versions say useful or beneficial. It's profitable, Paul says, for teaching for instruction and doctrine and, and imparting knowledge about God. How do we know? What, what's God like? Um, what can we expect of him? What does he expect of us? How are we to, to find this? How do, how do we relate with him? People can't believe or do what they don't know. And so at the beginning, Scripture is profitable just to teach us just to tell us those things we need to know about God and how to relate with him. Uh, It's profitable for reproof, uh, or other versions say uh, rebuking. Uh, Anybody ever needed a good talking to in their lives? (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to give you one now after (laughs) that. Sometimes all of us need a good talking to, don't we? And the Bible does that for us. It, it, it has the goal of convicting sinners. It has a goal of warning us when we begin to stray. Uh, it, it, it gives us truth that exposes false doctrine or, or ungodly conduct. In Hebrews 4, the, uh, 12, the writer says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, 
of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Uh, in Jeremiah 23, 29, Jeremiah writes, Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Um, some scriptures are more meaningful than others. That hammer that breaks a rock in pieces, very meaningful to me. I was working construction one time. I was all day long, I was building concrete forms with, and some of you guys that know construction, with a, a 22 ounce framing hammer. That's a big hammer. It's not those ones that you tack pictures into the wall. And so all day I'm just, and I'm tired and it's hot and I didn't pay attention and full force I smashed my thumb with that hammer. And literally I went blind for about 10 seconds. The world just, I don't know what the physiology was, but the world went uh, absolutely black. But you know what? It got my attention. And uh, I, I haven't hit my thumb with a hammer uh, since. I, I, I learned my lesson. That's what God's word does to us it, in, in a very kindly way. Sometimes it waxes so that it gets our attention so that we don't do that again. Uh, it's also profitable for correction. Now, correction is different from reproof. Correction means it just it just gets us back into an upright position when we start to tilt a little bit. Uh, it gets us, it shows us how to get back on the path. It's, it's like the GPS on your phone uh, when you're on a trip and, and then, you know, maybe you're hungry or maybe you have to go to the bathroom and you turn off the highway and then all of a sudden, recal- recalculating, recalculating, Make a U-turn here, make a U-turn here. And is it just me or do they sound more irritated <laughs> the more? And uh, I just sometimes I feel like you talk back to, like, shut up. I just want to go to the bathroom. Leave me alone. Every time Jane says, isn't there a way to pause that thing? And, um, but in, in a good way, that's what Scripture does for us. We, we, might, we might be getting off the path a little bit. We might start to get out of plumb. And it, and it straightens its back up, it corrections. And then for training in righteousness. Um, this simply means it imparts practical wisdom for life. It, it, it's not like we're doing anything wrong. It, it, it's, it teaches us to learn to do what's right. Uh, that, that word training in righteousness actually is, is often used for training a child. Uh, it's a child that needs to learn right from wrong. How to, that, That's wrong and, and that's right. And Scripture does that for us. And the result is, uh, most versions say that we are, th- that it makes us competent. Now, when I think of competent, I think of like getting a C. But that's, that's not what Scripture is talking about. It doesn't mean a C. It means A plus. That the, that the word of God makes us A plus ready for life. It makes us fully equipped, complete, uh, able to meet every demand. But don't miss back in verse 15 that it's through faith. It's made, able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, just reading your Bible or hearing sermons isn't enough to make you grow. Um, you, you have to believe 
what you're reading, and, and you have to apply it to your life. In fact, James says there's actually something deceptive uh, about hearing, that we can hear or read and think that we've actually changed when all we've done is, is taken in knowledge. Uh, and so we, the, the, the change happens through faith. Uh, it's very sobering in Hebrews 4.2 when the writer says, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. That the, the entire nation of Israel had God's word, heard God's word, but most didn't combine it with faith. And, and, and the writer says, and, it was, and so it was no value. They had the very words of God and it was no value because they didn't combine it with faith. Listen up, there, there's, a, there's a progression in scripture. I, I, I think, you know, Ephesians, by grace through faith, I think that's the way the entire Christian life works. Um, and, and it's connected to the word. And so we, we have God's word, and um, Paul writes in Romans that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and then the grace comes to us through faith. And, and, and so the, the way this empowering for Christian life works is God has given us his, his word, and as we read and apply and, and believe his word, uh, faith comes, and as faith comes, faith is the way that we appropriate the grace of God uh, for, for our lives. And so um, it is not just reading and studying and applying, as wonderful as that is, uh, it is doing so in faith. So that's, that's in, in a very simple way, that's what we have in God's word, God's very words to us. It contains no errors that will never fail us, that makes demands of us, but is sufficient for us, that every situation we could ever imagine coming across in life, that God's word is sufficient for us. It is able to make us wise for salvation from first to last. It is able to fully equip us by faith. So let me just make some simple application and then we'll, we'll stop. Um, don't uh, look at, uh, at verse 14, the very first thing that Paul says there. But as for you, continue. But as for you, continue. In other words, never, ever, ever move on from, from God's word. Don't, don't let the common things like the busyness of life, laziness, familiarity, discouragement, or anything else to keep you from simply continuing in reading and studying and applying God's word. Now listen, I know there's, there's going to be season. Young moms, um, you know, there are times where you're tired, you're exhausted, uh, understand. But just, just the simple act of continuing. Um, so read and study and apply your Bible regularly and systematically. Um, hear God's word preached 
regularly and systematically and apply what you hear. Which, by the way, that second word, that's why the local church is so important. We can run from place to place to hear the latest new, new thing. It's in the local church month after month and year after year. And I'm so grateful for uh, your pastors, Larry and Devin, now John, uh, that, that that is their heart, just to teach you from God's word regularly and systematically, uh, you know, maybe places that you would never think of going before. Uh, I don't think I've ever done a series in Old Testament or New Testament where there haven't been things that surprised me uh, and that I thought, wow, I, I, I read that, but I never thought of it. I never studied it. And so uh, I know you know this, but I just want to commend these men and, and just remind you of how blessed you are uh, that have pastors that are just regularly and systematically bringing God's word to you in those ways. Now, I'm assuming in a group this size, people are in different places. Um, so some of, you, some of you need to start it up. Um, some of you have just never developed a consistent habit of, of daily Bible reading. Um, you know, just start small, by the way. Don't overdo it. At this stage of my life, and I've done different, I only read one chapter a day um, in the Bible. So just start small. Just, just discipline yourself to read a chapter a day and, and grow from there. Uh, some of you need to pick it up. You know, as I'm talking about, you're, 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 you're thinking, and I remember the day when, you know, that I was really consistent and just how, I, how wonderful it was to, you know, get up and read my Bible. Or, um, so pick it back up again. Don't, n- never let discouragement of, of failures keep you from starting over again. So just pick it up for, for many, maybe most of you, uh, keep it up. Just thanks for your faithfulness. Uh, without even knowing you, I can guarantee that uh, you're making a, a huge difference in your family, in your occupation, uh, in your city, and in this church, uh, just because you're a person who loves and, and applies God's word. Um, let me give you five challenges as you do that. They're all quick. Um, receive the scriptures with awe and gratitude. Never take them for granted. You know, every time you open up your Bible, just, just, just take 10 seconds to, to remember what you have, to, to remember what you're reading, what, what those words actually represent. Um, actively seek to know and obey the commands of God, but also actively seek to know and believe the promises of God. Uh, actively evaluate your life based on the standards of God uh, and actively diagnose your problems based on the wisdom of God. Thomas Watson, the Puritan, said this, take every word as spoken to yourselves. When the word thunders against sin, think thus, God means my sin. When it presses any duty, God intends me in this. Many put off scripture from themselves as if it only concerned those who lived in the time when it was written. But if you intend to profit by the word, 
bring it home to yourselves. A medicine will do no good unless it be applied. I'll finish with this. A few years ago, I ran across an old word that I really like. And the word is bibline. B-I-B-L-I-N-E. In fact, it, it is such an old word that all the dictionaries I consulted don't even have it. Um, in fact, it may not actually be a word. <laughs> but if it isn't, it should be. Because when the older writers use it, it, it meant Bible-saturated. That a person or a church that was bibline was Bible-saturated that uh, a person or a church that was bibline, they, they were people who, who loved God's word and treasured God's word and read God's word and heard God's word and lived by uh, God's word. And so my, my prayer for each of you as individuals, my prayer for this church is that you would just either start to, but I think for most of you, continue to be a church that is bibline that is Bible-saturated in all your thinking and believing and in all your doing. Father, please grant that grace to this wonderful church. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.